0: Our scripture today is Galatians 5, 1 through 12. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourself be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You, who are trying to be justified by law, have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. But by faith, we eagerly await through the Spirit the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You are running a good race. Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion will pay the penalty, whoever he may be. Brothers, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves.
1: Quite a scripture, huh? Emasculate yourself. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. So we need prayer. Okay, let's pray. (laughs) Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your apostle, your servant Paul, who has written these words to us. And we ask, Lord, for your Holy Spirit to fill us with your presence so that we can be ministered to just in such a dynamic way where we listen, we hear, hopefully we're transformed because of your word in Jesus' name. Amen. The uh, first verse of chapter 5 is really the key point to all of chapter 4. And so we, we talked about this before where Paul's letter here is actually just one continuous letter. It's not broken up into the chapters and verses that we, we've done Uh, to it it, that's just kind of a helpful tool to us but let's remember that this is one letter and that verse 1 of chapter 5 is actually the key point of what Paul wrote in all of chapter 4. Paul's writing in chapter 4 was all kind of built up and constructed to point us to verse 1 of chapter 5 so if you have any questions about chapter 4 just go ahead and get into iTunes and we have a couple teachings throughout all of chapter 4 there. So far, Paul has essentially laid down two approaches to God, right? One approach is that we work our way to God, that it's through human achievement. So through the line of Hagar and Ishmael, the idea that we can actually earn our way to God, that through our works, we can get to God. And then there's a second way where it's a divine achievement, where God is actually paving his way to us, where we actually didn't do anything, but he did it for us. So that way of Sarah, and Isaac, where God paved a way to Himself through His Son, Jesus Christ. Now those two approaches, those aren't complementary approaches. Those are polar opposites, right? They don't kind of mend or meld together at all. And Paul has been crystal clear about this spiritual truth, that those who have accepted Jesus by faith as their Savior from their sins can't do it by acts of the flesh. They cannot earn it through their own flesh. It's a spiritual work, period. There's nothing of the flesh in it. There isn't anything we can do to earn salvation from our sins which separates us from God. It is only by faith in Jesus doing that work for us that we receive salvation and that intimate relationship with God. And a choice needs to be made to either live by faith or you live by flesh. You don't do both. The Judaizers and some of the Galatians tempted to add this flesh element to it, this works element to what was a spiritual work. And when it comes to a relationship with Jesus, that is simply impossible. The Judaizers added a ritual, a religious act. And for them, it was this act of circumcision to what they thought was necessary to have a relationship with God, and that was false. And today, other people can add various works to say... Yeah, you can have faith, but you have to do this also. It's the same thing. But for the Judaizers, it was circumcision. And so they also added, you had to be obedient to the law. So they had all these rules and these regulations that they said, you need to follow all of these things in order to have a relationship with God and to be justified before God, which is false. It is only by Jesus Christ. No work. And so know this. If anything you gather from today, know this. That if anyone or whenever anyone adds anything to Jesus, it's an attempt to replace him. Right? So if anyone attempts to add anything to Jesus, it's an attempt for them to replace Jesus with whatever they are substituting in there. Okay? So nothing can be added to Jesus Nothing can be added to what he has done on the cross. So whenever you hear of anyone adding anything to Jesus, what he did, it's false. And they are attempting to replace him with whatever they are bringing forward with them. Jesus and what he did on the cross for the justification of our sin, that's an exclusive, that's an absolute claim of Christianity. And the thing that people generally have a problem with is that they don't like living with absolutes. Right, people today they like living in relativity. Right, they like options. They like fluidity. They like variability, which in some cases is a great quality to possess. It's great to be flexible. It's great to be fluid in our style of ministry, right? In the things that we do, in, in how we are trying to accomplish the mission of the church, which is making disciples of Jesus. But it's not good to vary on Christian doctrine, on Christian theology, on the Bible. Because if God's Word can change, then can't He? If He is mutable, if He is changeable, then what good are His promises that He's made? What good is His character that He's portrayed? See, there's no assurance that God is holy or righteous or that He can be trusted if He can be altered. So we can depend on God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the Word of God because those things are not changeable. They're unalterable. There's no other way to God than through Jesus Christ and that is an absolute claim in the Christian faith. Can't be changed. So any attempt to add or take away from Jesus, what He did is an attempt to replace Him with a false gospel, with a false news. Another absolute for Christians... Verse 1, chapter 5. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. This is an absolute belief that is to be declared by true Christians. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore. You know, if you were caught in one of those leg traps, you know, those inhumane leg traps that you step on and the clamps come through, the ones that the hunters use for animals, but someone came by, they set you free, and you stepped out of that thing and you got healed, you would be sure not to step in that thing again because it hurt, right? Not only did it hurt, but you had nowhere to go. You were trapped. You couldn't do anything about it. Jesus set us free from that leg trap, from that enslavement, and He didn't set us free so that we can be enslaved again. He set us free for freedom to be free so that we can be free and here the Galatians were set free but they were returning back to that enslavement Jesus set them free from that enslavement from that leg trap but after being set free they returned to step on that thing again they returned to enslavement again rather than continuing to move on with Jesus they turn around they go to the law that enslavement see Jesus set us free Do any of you have a guilty conscience? Something in your past, something you've regretted saying, something you've regretted doing? Those things that kind of have a hold on you whenever you're kind of doing well in life, but then there's this tap on your shoulder that says like, yeah, but remember this? See, Jesus can set you free from that. You can be free from that. He can set your conscience free of the guilt of sin. Now that doesn't mean that you won't have consequences over those actions or over those words, but spiritually, internally, you can be released from that bondage. What about fear? You want to be free from fear? Jesus, do you have a fear of death? Jesus is the one that can set you free from that. You will be with Him for everlasting by having faith in Him. Do you have a fear that you aren't doing enough as a Christian? You believe you're a Christian, you believe in Jesus, but you just don't feel that you're doing enough and you have a fear like, well, I, I don't know if I'm going to get to heaven or not because I, I don't know if I'm doing enough. Well, you aren't doing enough. I'm not either. We just can't. Because we can't earn our way to God. That's the whole point of Paul's letter here. And so Jesus, for freedom, has set you free from that. You don't have to have a fear of that. You don't have to be fearful that you're not doing enough. Do you have a fear of sin? That, oh, I'm sinning again and I'm sinning again, and if Jesus came back right in the middle of my sin, then I'm not going to heaven. False. That's false. He's forgiven you of all of your sins. Past, present, and the ones you're committing in the future. You're forgiven. He's taken all of your sins upon himself. Without Jesus, that fear is normal. You should be fearful. Without Jesus, you should be fearful. Of course you'd be fearful. Because if you truly believe and value justice, then how would justice treat you? Justice would judge you. So of course you'd be fearful. How much good will you have to do to offset the bad? How much? Is that even possible? And any fear that you have, he can set you free from that fear. The burdens that are overwhelming you. He can take those burdens from you. He can free you from the weight of those burdens. See, religion can't do that for you. Religion actually adds to that. Religion adds that burden onto you. And it can actually compound what you already have as a guilty conscience, by compounding that on you. And so coming to church and doing religious things, those things don't set you free. The only thing that sets you free is through Jesus. Faith in Jesus. Living a moral life. Doing religious things. Those things won't release you from the guilt that you experience or the burdens you experience. And maybe they can release those things temporarily because those things can be temporarily eased. Just like when you get lost in music or in entertainment or anything else that can distract you from these things that are burdening you. But after those things are done, after the movie's done, after the song is done, those burdens, those guilty consciences, those come back. And so if you want a permanent freedom, Jesus, that's it. See, there's a misconception about what freedom is. Many people believe that freedom is doing whatever I want, whenever I want, however I want, and never denying the desire that they have. Now, that's a type of freedom. It's called false freedom, right? True freedom. True freedom is being free from having to do something, that you have to do something, because a slave is forced to do something for their tyrant right? So you're forced to do something. And so Paul is saying, for freedom, you don't have to do all these laws. You don't have to do all these rules. That's slavery. You have to do something for a tyrant. Now, people may argue that they are forced to live a certain way because they are a Christian. And so that's another misconception. See, they're confusing religion with the relationship with God aren't you enslaved to your flesh and the desires of your flesh if those things force you to act upon them? So if you are full of lust, and you're acting upon that lust, aren't you enslaved to lust? So you are enslaved to the flesh. And you notice the freedom that we have in God. God does not force us to do anything. You're not forced to do anything for Him. You're not forced to earn your way to Him. He's not a tyrant. He has freed us from doing anything for Him. You're free. He has freed us from the sin that we have. He's freed us from the guilty consciences that we've experienced. He's freed us from condemnation, the penalty of sin. True freedom. We're not enslaved to anything. You're truly free. Continuing on in verse 1, And do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Do not submit again again to a yoke of slavery. See, we were all once enslaved, every single one of us, to a yoke of slavery. We were all guilty. We all experienced fear. We've all experienced the burdens. Jesus set us free. Do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. He set us free from the judgment, the justice of the law. He's given us His grace by taking upon Himself that guilty verdict that was ours to have to serve that sentence. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. He took that yoke of slavery upon Himself. He removed that slavery off of us. Don't let anyone put you back into it. Don't go back to it again. Right? You can accept freedom by faith in Jesus who set you free which also means you can reject it. You can reject it and return back to that yoke of slavery. But live free. He sets you free. When you experience conviction of sin, when you are confronted with who you really are and that you've been enslaved to sin, know this. Know that you have been freed. Sure, you experience the conviction. Sure, you're sensing all this stuff about yourself, but know this that is not an everlasting thing. Maybe that's just a tap on the shoulder to say, get right with God and move on. But that's not meant to burden you. You're free. Now, I'm concerned that some who call themselves Christians have never experienced freedom. So they go through this routine or they go through these habits of doing religious things and they come to church and they give and they serve and they do all this stuff. They do all the stuff supposedly good people do living moral lives. But the thing is, have you repented? Have you repented? Have you truly experienced freedom? Or is it the type of Christianity that's just kind of stuck in your head and you just kind of know the Bible a little bit and you have some Bible knowledge, but you haven't had a spiritual experience with God? Because have you experienced the freedom from a guilty conscience? The freedom from just a debilitating fear. The freedom from just an overwhelming burden on your life that you just can't seem to shake. How many of you are really sure that you're born again? That you are going to be with Jesus for everlasting? Now some people may view that as an arrogant thing for people to be so sure about when you ask them, are you born again? Are you going to be with Jesus? And they say, yes. Oh, how arrogant. How can you think that? And I think that for some people who answer yes, it can be. Right? It can be an arrogant thing because if someone somehow believed that they themselves earned their way to that standing, that they did something to do that, that they merited that by their good works, then yes, that can can be construed as boastful and conceited. But what if I didn't do anything for it? I didn't earn it at all. There's no boasting in that. I didn't do anything. There's no credit to be attributed to me. And so that's a freeing thing. I don't have to earn my way to God and therefore there's nothing for me to boast about in why God loves me because I didn't do anything for it. It was His grace. It was His unmerited favor. See, you and I didn't justify ourselves before God. We simply exercised faith, but we didn't do anything to earn God's favor. And if we ever introduce a belief that we can do something for the justification of our sins, we're just as guilty as the Judaizers who thought that circumcision was a part of justifying someone from their sins. And so they were contaminating the gospel to the churches in Galatia, this gospel that is true and pure, and it's just a simple gospel of faith, not about religious works. See, we can't add anything to Jesus, what he did. Whenever that happens, it's an attempt to replace him with a false gospel. John chapter 8, verse 36. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Jesus can set you free. A real freedom. An everlasting freedom that carries on forever. Then Paul, in verse 2, reasons with his readers about this key point that he made in verse 1. Look. I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. Paul said, look, if you do this, and he reasoned with them, pointing out to them that, you know, there is no spiritual advantage of circumcision for the Christian. And the same is to be said of other works, for the sake of religion. External obedience to these religious laws, performing religious rituals, has no advantage in the eyes of Jesus because we can't save ourselves. But these Judaizers believe that they were doing these things that they can save themselves, that they can participate in saving themselves. Look, if we could save ourselves, Jesus wouldn't have to die. Would He? If you could save yourself? And God would just simply instruct us on how we can save ourselves. He would just be giving this rule book and say, do this stuff and you'll save yourself. So the belief that there's something more than faith for the salvation of sins is false. The Judaizers believe that unless you are circumcised according to the customs of Moses, you cannot be saved. That's in Acts chapter 15, verse 1 and 5. They believe that faith in Jesus wasn't enough for salvation. They added that obedience to the law, circumcision, those things, those are also necessary for salvation. Faith in Jesus is all that you need for the salvation of your sins. That's it. Nothing can be added to that all-sufficient work that Jesus did for the salvation of your sins. Adding anything to Jesus is admitting that Jesus is not enough. And if He's not enough, why are we even here? Why are we here? We are here because Jesus is more than enough. He's more than enough. He's worthy to be praised. He's been proven to be trustworthy so that we can have our faith in Him and Him alone. So when God asks, when He asks why we think we should be allowed into everlasting life with Him in heaven, what are you going to say? What will you say? Will you say, it's because of my good works. And so I have news for you, you're not going to be with him. Or are you going to say, because I believe in Jesus. You're not going to be with him either. Because the devil and the demons also believe in Jesus. They believe in him. It's not that they don't. You're going to say, it's because I believe in Jesus and I did good works for him. Same result, you're not going to be with God. You believed, you did good works, it's all about you, what you did. So you might be thinking, well, like, what in the heck? How am I going to get to heaven? Like, what's, what would what I do then? See, we Christians, we need to be careful about our own religious orthodox beliefs. See, there's no reason, based off of our own merit, that we are to be allowed everlasting life with God in his kingdom. There's none. It's all about God. It's all God. The only reason you and I have the opportunity for salvation is God's promise. That's it. He promised it. And the faith we exercise in His promise. So be careful that Orthodox Christian theology doesn't become like Orthodox Jewish theology and prevent us from seeing Jesus. You can't do anything. You can't earn it. Just because your theology is orthodox and you can pass a theology exam, a biblical exam, doesn't mean that you have a relationship with God. Because just the devil himself would get a higher score than all of us put together. Don't you agree? He knows it much better than we do. But he doesn't trust in Jesus. So where is your trust in Jesus, in God's promises? See, I can't do anything. God did it all, and I have faith in what He promised. In what He promised. me. Verse 3, I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. So, if one accepts (laughs) circumcision or accepts any religious rule, act, law, as a way to Jesus, Jesus will be of no value to you because you'll be obligated to keep the whole law. Because you can't pick which laws you want to keep and which ones you don't, right? If you follow one law, you have to follow the whole law book. For example, in our country, there's a rule of law in our country, right? You can't pick which ones you want to follow and which ones you don't. I don't want to pay taxes. We'll start a prison ministry. (laughs) You're paying. You can't choose which laws you want to follow here. you got to follow the whole thing. Right? So you can't just decide. You can't pick and choose which laws you're going to follow in the United States or any other country for that matter. You follow a law, you follow the whole law. When you're in that country, you follow all of their laws. You can't choose that. Well, in our country, we're allowed to do that. We're allowed to spit gum and spit on the floor. Try that in Singapore. Don't work. You'll be paying a hefty fine. I think we should adopt that law here, by the way. But you have to follow all of them when you're in that country. You can't pick and choose without consequence. You have to follow the whole thing. It's the same with any law. You can't pick and choose which laws and disregard the whole law. You can't follow one. You have to follow all of it. And so that's what Paul wrote about here in verse 3. He's like, hey man, if you follow the law of circumcision, just one law, you have to follow everything. You have to follow all of the law. But you guys can't pick and choose which ones you want to follow and which ones you don't. And and if anyone goes down that road, you'll soon find out that you can't keep the whole law. It is impossible. But you'll obligate yourself to follow that whole law to be justified by trying to follow one. Verse 4, you are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. You want to be justified by the law? You'll be severed from Christ. Fallen away from grace. Our relationship with Jesus is all due to His grace. Justification is not faith and the law. It is faith or the law. right? But the thing is, justification by the law is impossible except for one, Jesus. He fulfilled the law. Which is why His sacrifice was acceptable to a holy God. His grace was given to us through His blood. So if you profess... Faith in Jesus as your Savior. You can't have faith and attempt to earn salvation through the law because then that isn't faith. It is through the Spirit by faith where the hope of righteousness lies. Living the law proves that you have a lack of faith. Verse 5, For through the Spirit by faith we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. See, God's work in us is not complete yet. Like that wasn't obvious, right? We're complete in Jesus, but we're not fully conformed to His likeness. Now there's still some remodeling that needs to be done, and for some of us there's a lot more remodeling than others. But, you know, that's the way it is. Verse 6, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith... Working through love. See, it's not an issue of circumcision or uncircumcision. That's not the important thing. The thing that truly matters is faith working through love. Freedom in Jesus is not about being circumcised or following some religious work or law. It's faith working through love. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from Him who calls you. See, that persuasion was not from God. Not from God. The Judaizers were deceiving themselves and others to do things to live a way that wasn't from God. It was done out of their flesh. And these false teachers came to convince Christians of teachings that weren't of God. Verse 9, A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. Whoever this person is who is causing confusion... Watch out, right? These false teachers came to confuse Christians of the truth of the gospel and the way these religious folk came in, it wasn't so obvious. These guys were ninjas, right? Entering discreetly, just kind of like covered and very discreetly entering. They didn't wear t-shirts that said false teacher. False teacher, guys, right? They don't do that. False teachers are subtle, that's something that we need to be aware of at the church, as a church, that we take no other view when it comes to Jesus and what he did. See, we can't tolerate a false gospel, no matter how small that change may appear to be, because just a little leaven leavens the whole lump. It's not just about getting along and just letting the small things slide when it comes to the truth of the gospel. Right, when it comes to style of ministry, when it comes to things like that, yeah, of course, tolerance it's fine but tolerance when we're talking about the truth of the gospel will lead to disaster that cannot be tolerated and that's going to lead us back into the yoke of slavery verse 11 but if i brothers still preach circumcision why am i still being persecuted in that case the offense of the cross has been removed after paul's reasoning he asked the galatians if i'm if i'm still preaching circumcision then why am i being persecuted So clearly, Paul was not preaching circumcision. Paul's focus was on Jesus and the cross, not on some religious rule or law. And Paul is pretty irate about this, so much that he says this in verse 12, I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. Amen. Forget about circumcision. Castrate that brother. Right? Become a eunuch. Because this issue of enslavement to anything is a really big issue to God because God wants us completely free. Really free. And so Paul understood this. He took this seriously, how these guys were deceiving the Galatians. Paul stood for the gospel of Jesus. That's why he was persecuted his entire life. See, if you tell people that they can earn their way to heaven, you will have a lot of people that like your message. Really. If you tell them, hey, there's something that you can do to get to heaven. And so you look at all the religions of the world. I don't know every single religion out there, but there are quite a few that I do know about. And something that they have in common is that there is a way for man to earn their way to God. And see, people are drawn to that. And many people believe that because we like having this idea of living however we want to live. Because then we can just cover it up with the things that we've done wrong about it. If you give us a way that we can earn our way, then I can do whatever I want and then I can just cover that up later on. Because I can earn that. I can do something about it. But that's not Christianity. There's no cover-up. Christianity points to the law. It shows us that there isn't anything that we can do because if we went that route, then we'd surely be guilty of not following the law. And there's nothing you can do about it. So it also points to the grace of God. That by faith in what Jesus did for us, by faith in who He is, He made heaven available for us. Jesus is the only way to God. And people really don't like hearing that exclusive, absolute claim. And as long as you and I preach that truth, we will always be persecuted. Always. Those who don't have a relationship with Jesus think that Christianity is a joke. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. See, the gospel is offensive to people who don't have a relationship with God. It is a joke. And the cross is offensive. It tells people, you are a sinner. And it tells them that they can't do anything about it. Well, that's great. You're telling me I'm this and I can't do anything about it. Then forget it. People don't like that. That God had to do something about it so we can have a relationship with Him. People don't like to be told that they're wrong, even though they are. People don't like to be told that they can't do something, even though they can't. Right. So of course we're going to be continue to be persecuted because that's what the Gospel points out in humanity. That's what we're pointing out to people. You're wrong and you can't do anything about it. That's just not a good equation for people accepting you as a friend. Right? And so it presents a truth that not all people would like to receive. If you want to present something that others want to receive, this is what you do. All you have to do is pat people on the back, encourage them about how great they are. You are so great. And you can do anything you want kind of like how parents do this for their children. Bad thing. But this is in the spiritual realm as well. Right? You can achieve anything you desire. right? See, there's a lot smaller chance of persecution there. And if you were to preach that message here in the Bay Area, no persecution at all. In fact, what will happen here is you'll be praised for it. Telling people they can do whatever they want, and they can achieve whatever they want. And you feed people's pride and they love it, even if that's a false pride. And you tell people that you're making people self-sufficient and others, you know, they'll just stand and applaud you for it. Thank you for making people self-sufficient. Reliance on God? Reliance on whatever? Anything? What a joke! Rely on yourself! Yeah! Rely on yourself! You'll be so well-received by people. They'll cheer you on. they give them some self-help tips, Right? Give them some self-help tips. Give them some motivational speeches. Have them feel good about themselves. Like, I can do anything I want. I'm great. I can do anything. They cheer. And you tell them, but without Jesus, you're going to go to hell. What? They hate that. That's the truth. You'll still be separated by God. Separated from God, which is essentially Hell. People draw this picture of hell, fiery, hot, guy with a pitchfork, pointy ears and pointy tail, dressed in red, and all this kind of stuff. Hell is simply separation from God. That's what it is. And God is love. God is justice. God is grace. God is all these beautiful things. And you are separated from that. Talk about hell. Tell people they're guilty of sin. Tell people that their sin condemns them before a holy God. It separates them from God. That the only way for there to be reconciliation with God is through Jesus. Only Jesus can justify one from their sins. You will be persecuted. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. You'll be heckled. You'll be jeered. You'll be booed. You'll be given special hand gestures. You'll be told to emasculate yourself. You'll be told all this kind of stuff if you're bold enough to share your faith. And if you haven't experienced that, share your faith a little bit more. You'll get there. You'll get there. I promise you. I promise you you'll get there. And you'll experience the great things that many of us have experienced. You're not going to be very popular because there are many more people who are in the line of Ishmael who desire to live lives of the flesh who believe that they can earn their way to anything, to God, to whatever that they want, to an enlightenment, to whatever that they want, than there are to those who are living as true lineage to the line of Isaac, of Sarah, living lives of faith, that I can't do anything. And it was all God. It was all Jesus. And I'm just trusting in His promise. I'm just having faith in His promise that He made to me. But there's nothing that I can do. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for true freedom. The freedom that sets us free from sin. The freedom that sets us free from our own flesh. From those desires that are pulling us away. From who you've really created us to be. And Lord, help us to discern the person that you have created us to be. And the the person that we are enslaved to without the presence of your life in us. I pray for your spirit to fill all these people here and for your blessing to be upon them. In Jesus' name, amen.